Welcome to Musings of an Honest Mom, not just another mom podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. I haven't been around for a really long time. Um, Things have been pretty crazy with work, as well as I think on a global level, we all know. Um, You know, there's elections where I live and also in the States. Uh, I would say things are pretty heated, and I just feel, I mean, of course, with the whole coronavirus thing, it's pretty crazy. Um, I mean, I do think the media is hyping things up because, you know, that's that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, that's what they do. But things, you know, I even have a neighbor that's in quarantine with kids, dropped off groceries at their door today. Things are crazy, you know, and uh, I have kids of my own. We both have jobs, my husband and I, and uh, I'm in school. So there's lots, lots and lots of stuff going on. And I'm so, I've, I've really missed you guys and I miss this platform and I miss talking to you guys. So welcome back. For all of those who don't know me, my name is Karen. I have two sweet, sweet kids, a husband. I, what else can I say about myself? I was also in the birth work world in the past uh, two years, I would say. I got into it. And recently, I've been taking a break from that. I have kids who need me. Uh, While I, even though... I would consider myself part of the birth work community. I for for years I've been working um in SEO, search engine optimization. I have a job. Uh what else? I don't know. I'm super straight up. Uh kind of I guess an extrovert an introvert or maybe um I've just gone through so much in the past few years that I'm burnt out and I'm I would say not a hermit, but kind of, (laughs) don't get out much, so this platform is wonderful, I am Jewish, I consider myself orthodox, I mean, I am orthodox, in the sense of the word, but I am, I guess, kind of different, I, um, I mean, each and, each and every one of us is different from the next, and we're all super unique, but, I can say that I have really been working on understanding the other and I really do think it's partially because I did lose, you know, someone very close to me, my mom, a few years back. Uh, But I think I've always been searching and I always love hearing the other side or maybe somebody, maybe hearing somebody who I don't really share the same views, whether it be politically, religiously. Um, I just, I don't know. I find people to be so fascinating. Um, <laughs> besides for fascinating, I, I really love getting to know people and yeah. Um, so that was a long introduction, but welcome back. And yeah, I wanted to share a lot, I mean, I wanted to share, we have the holiday Purim, which is a holiday in where Jews 
uh, our customs. Again, this is not scripted. I realize that if I script my podcast, it's so much harder for me. And I also want to sound authentic. And I just don't like scripts, you know. So um, it's a holiday in where the Jews, we were actually, um, according to the Megillah, which is the book in where the events happened, uh, where we record, you know, the events of the specific time period. Um, and basically we record the story of Esther, Queen Esther, which I'm going to share some, you know, little things that I've found out about Esther and that I've learned. And I really do think that women's empowerment is so important. On a global level, I think it's just, I use the word woman's empowerment many times in place of feminism because I think I mentioned in other, in my other podcast, feminism, the word feminism, people have many, like many uh, perceptions of what that word means. It has to be political or it has to be, not that I have anything against that, by the way, Um, but to me, I don't know, feminism is just believing that we are equal. And equal doesn't mean (laughs) that I have a man's body. Um, But I feel like on a global level, of course, we should view women as equal human beings. um, Because that is what can, that, that is the only, to me, that's the most, um, ethical and most humane thing to do. So anyways, um, not to get sidetracked, but I do think as a woman in this world, and I know especially because I do identify as Orthodox and I do feel, uh, many, I would say, most of what I do is really what I choose to do. You know, the way I dress, I choose to dress that way. Um, a lot of choices that I make in my life currently, um, I've come to that decision in the past few years that this is what I want to do. And it could, maybe it sounds sacrilegious or, or, you know, like, okay, I'm not doing it because I am forced to do it by some sort of doctrine, but really, truly, Yes, I do have my beliefs, that is true, but I also really, I am very grateful that I'm not forced to to um, act a certain way or to dress a certain way based on somebody telling me what I need to do. Um, yes, I have my beliefs, but I am, I guess, very grateful, and, and I know I am lucky to be with somebody who does not force uh, certain modes of dress or any, any, I feel like what I am doing is really what I at my core, feel is right for me. And so I really think that by learning this story and kind of learning the story of Esther, it's it's it can really pertain to us women or even men. Um, maybe you guys connect with this as well, uh, to our lives today. And I want to, you know, jump in and and share some some of what I learned about her story. 
just in time for Purim, which is tomorrow night, um, everywhere outside of Jerusalem. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get started. And guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy you're here. And can't wait to jump in. Okay, guys, so we're just going to jump in with the story of Queen Esther. You guys know, I mean, as many of you might know, Queen Esther is a central character in the biblical book named after her. Um, so it makes sense that this book is named after her. And the way the rabbis expand upon and add details to the biblical narrative, um, they write about, they, they relate to her lineage and to her history and to her relations with the other characters, such as Ahasuerus, which you might hear me pronounce his name as Ahasuerus, Mordecai, which I might pronounce Mordecai, and Haman, Haman, Haman. So I just want to share uh, with you guys that I'm not a rabbi and everything that I'm sharing with you guys, if there's anything that like if I'm sharing a story, a biblical story, or some sort of study, um, it's not from my brain. <laughs> it's uh, from, you know, I, I use various sources, and this the source that I'm using is the Encyclopedia by the Jewish Women's Archive. And these tidbits that I'm going to share with you are from the Midrash and Agadah. And if you'd like to know what the Midrash and Agadah are, um... I'll try to explain it from, from Wikipedia. So the word Agadah in, um, in Jewish Babylonian Aramaic translates to tales or lore, and it refers to non-legalistic, exegetical, I do not know how to pronounce that, sorry guys, uh, texts in the classical rabbinic literature of Judaism, particularly as recorded in the Talmud and Midrash. So the Agadah is a compendium of rabbinic texts that incorporates folklore, historical anecdotes, moral exhortations, exhortations, again, sorry, you know, I'm not super <laughs> educated, uh, so I don't know how to pronounce that word, and practical advice in various spheres, from business to medicine. So just have that in mind. And like in terms of etymology, this is interesting for me at least, uh, the Hebrew word Haggadah means telling, while the Aramaic root Haggad uh, has the dual implication of expanding, drawing out, binding, drawing in. So just remember, this is not like I'm quoting just um, the biblical text, or this is, you know, this is um, from the Haggadah and the Talmud. Uh, the Midrash and the Talmud, Gada. So, so some there, and I. The reason why I want to discuss this is because I do think that there's a lot, you know, uh, that we can learn, whether we're women, men, anyone from this story, uh, the story of Esther. And there's just I've I've learned a few very interesting things about her, and I want to share it. Um, since Perm's coming up. So, uh, as we know, the Bible portrays Esther as an orphan who was raised in a house of her uncle Mordecai, Mordecai. And 
It's interesting. The Midrash adds that Esther's father died during her mother's pregnancy, and the latter died during childbirth, which is like so heartbreaking that her mom um, died during childbirth, according to the Midrash, uh, from um, Rabbah says this uh, as a as a result of her mother's death, Mordechai had to care for Esther's nursing. So according to one tradition, he could not find a wet nurse, and he himself miraculously had milk and nursed her. Another tradition was Mordechai's wife nursing the infant. This is, to me, this I actually never heard, never learned this, and that's because many times um, I don't think we learned many or folklore stories. So to me, I find this to be very fascinating. And um, another... Uh, sorry, I just cut off, got cut off there, but it's fascinating. This is like a little bit about her past. And so it's very interesting. And now we'll go a little bit more in uh, to her name, Hadassah and Esther. So it's very interesting. The book of Esther relates to Esther. Two names, um, Hadassah and Esther. And the rabbis take two interpretive directions as re- in regards to those names. According to one, Hadassah, which appears first in the verse, was Esther's real name. And the reason why she was called Esther requires clarification. And according to the second direction, Esther was her real name, and she is so named throughout the book of Esther. Accordingly, the name Hadassah needs further explanation. So this is, <laughs> this is interesting because... I recently started learning, you know, Talmud a little bit, and I haven't actually, I was never really exposed to it, and I find it very interesting. Um, I know it sounds funny for some people that might be listening who have grown up with Talmud and don't find it interesting, or to women who are just like, how would you even have time? But I actually, while I work, I do have time to put something on in the background, and I was... Listening and anyways, in the Talmud, this is very typical. There are different schools of thought, um, and the I guess you can call them rabbis in the Talmud um, are um, argue or dispute each other. And I actually really truly love that. I love that there can be different schools of thought, and people and these people can say I don't know one hundred percent what's going on, and and. And I don't know, I just feel like it's very real, like, the arguments and the, I I don't know, I really like the debates, and I guess I like debates in general, and I like um, looking through things with the skeptical ones, or maybe just in wonder, so I really like that. Um, Another explanation why Hadassah was was Esther's second name is that she's giving this name because she concealed his tira in Hebrew means concealed <coughs> her origins sorry guys her origins in another exposition she was given this name by the Gentiles um, after the celestial body Ishtar and then the the more prevalent rabbinic opinion is that Hadassah was Esther's second name and so there's like a there is a pl- plethora of interpretations built on the similarity of the myrtle, which is a hadas in Hebrew, to Esther. So Esther was so-called 
Hadassah because the of the Hadass, the myrtle, uh, which um, the righteous are are referred to as myrtles, and she, and also something interesting that I'm reading now is that she was it's it's saying that she was of average height like a myrtle, which is neither short nor long, and she also had a greenish, sallow complexion. And this I've heard, um, they do, I've heard, I've heard that, um, like a myrtle. And just as the myrtle is sweet-smelling but has a bitter taste, so Esther was sweet to Ahasuerus, but bitter to Haman, Haman, um, which I think is a really good lesson, by the way, guys. It's like, okay, I think, this is how I took it, like, she... Esther is trying to survive and she was taken to become part of the king's harem of women and she was already currently living either she was Mordechai's wife or uh, I don't know he was taking care of her and she was taken and she had to survive and the king I guess I don't know if you could say fell in love with because I I don't think that we can use Disney words in this. I think he literally took her to be part of his harem of women. And and um, then this other dude, they're both bad dudes, you know. Like, these two guys were not, you know, this man is, is sending guards to seize women um, because he wanted a queen, a new queen. That's, you know, kidnapping and trafficking and... All that stuff in, in, in rape, um, in our world today. Um, so yeah, but anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. So I think like in order to, to survive, she knew that she, she had to be sweet to the king. And then Haman, this person that, that, that wanted to kill her entire nation, um, it says that she was bitter to Haman, which I think is just, um, I don't know, makes me really like Esther and understand that what she was doing was to survive, and she did it for the entire nation, and she totally, I mean, she sacrificed so much to save so many human beings. So... And it says that the myrtle has a good smell, just like Esther, who performed good deeds. And the myrtle does not dry out either in the summer or in winter, just as the righteous dry up neither in this world nor in the world to come. So that's just a little bit about her name. Um, and I can go on and on. There is so much. And um, there's just, like, a lot to talk about. But... So, in the Midrash, this is regarding Esther and the harem. So, the Midrash relates that Esther hid from Ahasuerus' agents who sought women for the king. She succeeded in remaining concealed for four years. But, and this again, like, I just, I look up to her, I'm in awe, you know. I actually didn't know that it was four years. Was eventually found and brought to the royal palace. Unlike the other woman who wanted to be chosen, Esther tried to evade the king, but she was the one picked to be queen. This shows that her selection was part of the divine plan, and Esther was meant to rule in order to bring deliverance to all of Israel. So, like, I think that the story that kids 
I don't know. Like, I don't... First of all, this is not a kid's bedtime story. Growing up, I remember hearing about um, the different, you know, famous women in the Bible. And this isn't simple stuff. So, like, this is intense, you know? Um... And she tried to evade the king, but she was the one picked to be the queen. She, this was coercion. And she was given seven mates to serve her in the harem. And the rabbis comment that she used them in order to count the seven days of the week to know when the Sabbath fell so she so she could observe it even in the harem. I do remember hearing that. Um, and in in one expansion, the woman it's, it is said that the woman in the harem would adorn Esther, for they said to themselves, this one will certainly be married to the king, so it is worth our while to honor her. That, to me. <coughs> I feel like, okay, where's the sister code, guys? Like, I mean, I don't think there was a sister code. These women obviously wanted to worship the king, but, like, guys, come on, I'm trying to make her ugly. <laughs> but that's not how things were. Um, it's actually like, this is, I don't know, to me, this whole story is just so crazy. It's heartbreaking in a way, but also I feel like she's such a rebel and so strong. And she, instead of just kind of lifting up her hands, this women saved, like every, all of the Jews were supposed to be killed out and she saved the nation. So it's pretty crazy. Um, I don't know if I could have done the same, you know? Um, so in the book of Esther also relates that Mordechai will walk ab- about in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was faring. So um, one of the interpretations is that Mordechai is, you know, kind of walking back and forth in front of, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, of the court of, you know, in front of the court of the harem was so that um, he could provide her with halachic guidance which is basically halacha is the law the jewish law so he would um answer questions she had in regards to nida which is the laws of governing menstrual purity it's very interesting we'll get into a different time and more generally family purity uh so another tradition is that he accompanied so another interpretation is that she did not suffer from sorcery um, and there's just so much also, um, that another tradition, I mean, another, um, according to another, uh, interpretation or another tradition, this is, he also tried to arrange the, um, kashrut or the kosher for her to have kosher food. Uh, so yeah, so he was like basically looking out for her and, the rabbis include Esther to be among the seven most beautiful women in the world. And Esther found favor in the eyes of everyone who gazed upon her. Every person thought that she was one of the women of his nation whom he found comely. The rabbis also relate to Esther's sexuality. And if Ahasuerus wanted to find her in the taste of virgin, he found it. If the taste of the non-virgin, virgin, he found it. So until Esther was chosen, no woman could compare with Vashti in beauty. It was only when Esther came that Achashverosh removed the likeness of Vashti and replaced it with that of Esther. It's crazy. So in contrast, um, 
It's also cited that Esther had a greenish complexion and therefore was called Adasa. So, and apparently Ahasuerus was drawn to her because she was endowed with a great charm and not like necessarily a beauty. Um, so the rabbis add that Esther found favor in the eyes of both heaven and humans. So in the Midrash's account, Ahasuerus initially ruled the entire world. After he had Vashti killed, all the lands rebelled against him. And once he married Esther, 127 lands came under his rule again. And when he appointed Mordechai as his, you know, assistant, they all returned to him. Another tradition compares Esther, who ruled 127 provinces, to Sarah, who died at the age of 127. Interesting, you know, all this stuff. um, But um, what I found truly interesting about this is, in in contrast with other women, Mahashvarosh married without recording the nuptials or the date of the marriage. Esther's marriage was documented and the date of her marriage was recorded. Um, and about her personal status, I think this is something that I never really grew up hearing. So the rabbis were concerned. So there was a question about Esther's personal status because the rabbis were concerned about her marital status because either she was previously unmarried and she is now married and live with the non-Jewish king. Um... So that was like problematic, but it was it would be it was much more problematic, meaning um it was a problem for for a Jew to intermarry um and get married to a non Jewish king. Um and the situation was more serious according to the tradition that Esther was now married to Mordechai. Uh and then she committed adultery if she was married to the king also. So how the rabbis viewed her was that she was one, com- she was compelled to marry King Ahasuerus against her will. And furthermore, because of her passivity, her life with Ahasuerus was not thought to entail illicit sexual intercourse, a grave sin. Apparently, you know, if, you know, it's better a grave sin for which one should be killed rather than transgress, according to Sanhedrin, 74b. So, she was not considered to be a married woman who willingly engaged in adultery, and she was therefore permitted uh, to Mordechai. Indeed, you know, the rabbis maintained that she continued to live with Mordechai the same t- time that she was married to Hashirosh. So this is crazy, but the status would completely hurt, this status of her being you know, with Mordechai completely changed when Esther went to Ahasuerosh of her own free will in order to persuade him to cancel Haman's decree. So the rabbis perceived this going as having sexual connotations that therefore had tragic consequences for Esther and Mordechai. So that to me is so heartbreaking. And she, um, it is said that she went to King Ahasuerosh in order to appease him, I mean, in order to like get in his good graces so that she could um, save the nation. And so that is heartbreaking to me. Can you imagine? Uh, she loved, you know, I, I, I would assume she loved or she wanted to be married to, uh, Mordechai and she kind of had to, you know, some sort of sexual thing, uh, you know, do something with him from her own free will in order to save her people. Uh, and 
so it was so another question that was con- that concerned the rabbis was that what the status of her children were from the union of Esther and Achashverosh. Uh, so, you know, if if she wasn't married to him, like basically, there's a lot of um, uh, you know issues of halacha or law, and I guess you know intermarriage. So. Um, although the kids would be Jewish because of the mother, but, um, basically, I don't know, I'm not looking, you know, I don't have the Midrash open in the inside, I'm I'm not reading this inside, I'm just reading this from the, you know, the encyclopedia, which states that it's so interesting, another tradition, you know, another Midrash asserts that Esther used a resorbent, that is, she employed a contraceptive device to prevent any pregnancy by a chashverosh. Ahasuerus. So another tradition has her becoming pregnant uh, by Ahasuerus, but miscarrying, which is heartbreaking. So this this is this to me is mind blowing. I never heard these traditions, and additional traditions maintain that not only did Esther become pregnant by Ahasuerus, but she was also the mother of the last um, idiom uh, or of Cyrus. This is crazy. I never, I had never heard these interpretations before. So. And the rabbis do devote extensive attention to Esther's observant. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Of the laws of Nida. Um, and she observed the laws of family purity. So Mordecai would walk about in front of the harem in order to rule for Esther regarding um, the different laws according to uh, a Nida. And it's just, and there's a lot of um, expositions that, you know, quote different instances of Esther um, consulting with scholars, with the Torah scholars on different questions regarding Nida, and which comes back to all the way down to today um, in Jewish tradition. Um, this is held as a very, you know, sacred and important value and it's crazy that she went through all of that um if she you know according to this exposition uh and it also relates esther doesn't reveal her origins according to uh the midrash hashverosh tried to discover esther's origins explaining that this would be beneficial for her relatives since he would appoint them to the important positions. In response, Esther told him that, like him, she is offspring of royalty. And after Esther's um, coronation, the king continues to gather virgins to his palace, which the rabbis understand as an activity meant to reveal Esther's identity. So, Hashverosh consulted with Mordechai how to discover Esther's secret, and Mordechai advised him to arouse Esther's jealousy. By inviting other women to him, thus motivating her to disclose the secret. We see, however, that this was a strat. You know, it was it was Mordechai trying. Uh, this was a strategy used by Mordechai so Esther would be not frequently summoned to the king. This is mind blowing to me. Just all of this intricate detail and <coughs> how she hid her origins. And Haman too was also troubled. It says troubled. Um, in, you know, in, in um, the Midrash, it also says that he was 
he was troubled by Esther's origins, and he suggested that she might be Jewish, which implied some sort of relationship between them, since he was from the offspring of Amalek, the grandson of Esau, which is Esav, Jacob's brother, Malcolm's brother. So, despite you know her hiding her identity, Esther still maintained contact with Mordechai. According to one tradition, Esther was responsible for Mordechai's being seated at the palace gates since she told Achashverosh that all the great kings continued, um, all the great kings seated a Jewish advisor at the gate. And so, um, in the affair where Big Ten and Teresh wanted to kill the king Achashverosh, um, Esther continued to follow Mordechai's instructions, and when she relayed Mordechai's information to the king, she attributed to Mordechai. And so, according to that, rabbis learned that whoever properly attributes a statement brings redemption to the world, since by merit of this act, the king wished to give honor and advancement to Mordechai, which began Haman's downfall. And that's another thing that I want to take from here, is to learn how to give merit to the people that, um, you know, to quote people, to give merit, to give... um, merit to the people that do important things and I think it's really important you know no matter our differences like let's give let's give people the merit for for their good actions like let's try to do that and I think that's something I really learned from here um so it's just crazy um again there's just so much going on, you know, if Esther did, there's just so much going on and everything that I've quoted. And of course, this is a very watered down version because I don't want to get too into everything because so much of what I'm reading is just, there, there's just so, there's so many layers to everything. Um, so it's, it's crazy. Basically, one of the main, you know, parts of the story is that in the Midrashic reenactment, Esther sent a message to Mordechai in which she asked him whether Israel had transgressed one of the commandments of the Torah. And she greatly feared to appear before Achashverosh. The Babylonian tradition, the Babylonian tradition, according to which she was Mordechai's wife, understands that this apprehension as her awareness that she would thereby lose her status as one compelled in in a married as a married woman living with another man against her will and become a woman who does so freely, Esther understood that this action of going to the king would require her to commit a grave transgression and even lose all possibility of returning to her husband Mordechai. And I can't even imagine <coughs> what that would feel like. So apparently, I mean, this then is the meaning of when it says in. Um, the book of Esther, if I am to perish, I shall perish. And that is the meaning to um, that quote. And then that's why Esther asked Mordechai to fast for three days, even though that the third day was the fast, was the first day of the holiday of Passover. Sorry, not the fast, the holiday. It's a big holiday of Passover. We do not fast on Passover. So, um, and she asked him to do this with the nation um, so that she 
and, and this is her, I will quote um, the prayer. This is the prayer that Esther uttered. And maybe we'll stop here because there's just so much more after this. But uh, before she went to Hashirosh, Esther uttered the prayer. And I'll read it in English. O Lord, the God of Israel, who has re- reigned from days of yore and created the universe, help please your handmaiden who has remained an orphan without father or mother and who is compared to a pauper who begs from door to door. Barely I seek your mercy from window to window in the house of Ahasuerus, a- 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 and you, O Lord, bring success to this, your poor handmaiden. Save the flock of your pasture from these foes who have arisen against us, for nothing prevents you from winning a victory by many or by few. You, O father or- of orphans, stand... At the right hand of this orphan who trusts in your compassion, may this man have mercy on me, for I fear him. Abase him before me, you, for you abase the proud. Uh, and the spirit of divine inspiration descended on Esther shortly before she went to Hashverosh, thus leading her to her inclusion in the list of the seven women prophets. So this whole holiday is... Thanks to Esther, and that to me is the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway for me is that um, this is all, Esther is being so honest and so vulnerable um, before God. And again, I'm not a rabbi, but I'm just, I look up to her also, you know, from a feminist perspective, also um, just like from a real, you know, from the authentic perspective. She, you know, said, you know, she quoted the psalm, the psalm, you know, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And that's, you know, it, there's just so, you know, she's going through so much and she feels, uh, you know, she abandoned <coughs> um, maybe God or God abandoned her when she went to the king from her own will. And basically... Um, there's just so much, but, but Esther, this is really, you know, we're celebrating the fact that we are here and this is, this is due to Esther and, you know, there, there is the way we understand the book of Esther is linked to the perception of Esther that she was a prophet. So she was a prophetess. She's included in the list of seven women prophets. Um, so the, the verse Esther put in a royal peril is interpreted as her assuming the, the spirit of prophecy. So women out there, there were women prophets and she, this prophet Esther um, the rabbis and guys, when, when, you know, there are, you know, religious extremists that hide women's faces, but this woman, this, this prophetess Esther, this to me just shows how extremism doesn't have a place in our, um, in 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 Judaism, because this the rabbis relate to Esther as the one responsible for the deliverance of Israel, and compared to the moon, which shone for Israel in the darkness of night, like the moon that is born after thirty days. Esther two said, "Now I have not been summoned." This is from the book of Esther, 
to visit the king for the last 30 days. Esther was ready to endanger herself and even to give her life to save her people who therefore called her um who are who therefore called her people. Um and she pled so in 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 what they referred to her people when in the book of Esther it says to plead with him for her people. So literally they referred to Esther as the deliverer of Israel and um and there's a midrash tilim <coughs> um that Esther illuminated Israel like the light of dawn while this light itself was like darkness for the nations of the world so there's just so much that Esther has given us and i find that um it's it's just so <clears throat> there's so many layers and so multifaceted and i feel like we as women or even men, we need to empower the women in our lives. And I just find this so fitting for International Women's Day. And of course, I'm putting a modern spin on this, but this whole idea of a, uh, a prophetess, a Jewish woman who was a prophetess and referred to by the men. And again, you know, there was, you know, I, I'm like trying to, it's mind blowing to me, but because I feel like there was such a, there must've been, you know, there was a, a patriarchal outlook, but even in, in nowadays, I feel like we've gone way, way, we're, we're backwards because the way we, at least in the Orthodox world, it's very, you know, I, 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 it's very hard to find um, many rabbis who will quote a woman in a higher regard or in the highest regard. And I am just so blown away um, by the tidbits I learned. And I really, really am so grateful to the Jewish Women's Archive, Tamar Meir, um, for their encyclopedia on Esther and the Midrash and Agadah. And, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, please let me know. I am so grateful that you were here and you were here to listen. <coughs> Sorry. Now you can really see that this is totally unedited because I keep on coughing. Um, but thank you so much for joining. Feel free to give, you know, a comment on my Instagram page. I really have been on a hiatus and after three months I'm coming back and I'm, we'll try to serve you more episodes, and I really hope you enjoy this. I really enjoyed this, and thank you so much again for being here. Guys, um, have a beautiful day, and if you're celebrating Purim, happy holidays. Really grateful that you're here, and sending love and happiness and wishes for healing for all those who are affected by the virus, um, for a better better globe a better world let's take care of the world let's take care of each other let's take care of the humans animals <laughs> our resources and thanks so much uh feel free to follow me on instagram i will put my instagram handle in this the show notes and thanks again if you're interested in speaking about a topic feel free to reach out to me on instagram that's the place best place to reach me uh sending so much love bye